0: But first, we're in the garden with members of Dunedin's Vegetable Growers Club. Well, actually, I think I'm keeping my guests, David Neal and Ruth Bain, out of the garden for the next wee while to get some ideas on how to maximise veggie crops and avoid the de- de- dreaded brassica bolts and snail decimation of crops. Um, thanks for your questions. You can send them in still the weekend at rnz.co.nz or text us 2101. Ruth and David, kia ora koro. Welcome.
1: Kia ora, uh, uh, uh,
0: A pleasure to be here with you. Marina.
1: Hi. Lynn, very nice to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Look, it's our pleasure, and this is you know the perfect time to have this conversation. Ruth, why do you put all the time and effort into growing your own vegetables?
2: Huh, what a great question, Lynn. Um An effort, sure, but a pleasure. So for me, it's the stuff of life. I love to eat, And eating fresh from the garden, what could be better than that? That's my motivation.
0: And David, I think your family inspired you to grow fruit and vegetables.
1: Yes, they did. And it was so nice to walk through a garden and just pick peas and eat them or to gather gooseberries from the gooseberry bushes and eat them nice and fresh. And everything seemed to taste so nice then.
0: (laughs) Is this ever really about saving money, uh, because, you know, there are costs involved with this. Uh, and if you sat down and, and added everything up, I don't know if you ever do. Is it is it a, a money saver ultimately, Ruth?
2: Uh, absolutely. For me, anyway, um, my, my natural frugality means that I aim to garden without spending money. So I'm forever looking at uh, things in my garden as a resource. Nothing... There's no such thing as food waste at my place. If you can't eat it, it goes in the compost and becomes the fertilizer that you need to grow your next crop. Saving money by um, growing your own garden, I think you need to think a little smart. So growing the things that might be expensive to buy or that are luxuries. People grow things like saffron in the summer, fresh herbs, basil, Vietnamese mint. Or the very freshest baby new potatoes before they're ready in the shop, these are things that you might choose not to purchase, but when you eat them for grow them for yourself, you can eat them and um that's that's money money safe for you,
0: David, Tell me about your club. I came across you on Facebook actually the an vegetable growers club what's your history, and what happens there
1: it It started off very small with people meeting in their own living rooms uh and then grew uh, and since 2007, we've been meeting monthly, uh, providing a friendly place to get information about vegetable growing and plants and seeds and gardening materials. And we try to provide these all as cheaply as possible to the members. And uh, then we have speakers every month and a trading table, uh, library competitions, monthly newsletters, and monthly visits to gardens to try and inspire us to grow our own food all with the emphasis on caring for the environment.
0: Questions are already coming in. I knew they would, Ruth. I might fling this one to you if that's all right. New Zealand Soils, says this listener, are low in selenium and cobalt and we used to apply these trace elements annually in farm fertiliser and we've now got a small vegetable patch in town and we just want to know how much we should be applying to our soils um, as the fertiliser mixes don't have these trace elements. That whole issue of fertilisation, it's really key, isn't it? Sure.
2: I think that um, in a small space, if you're just providing some of your own vegetables for your own consumption, then, you know, selenium, cobalt, these things aren't too much of an issue for you because you're eating from a wider range of um, producers. But if you're relying upon your garden to be your nutrition, then absolutely you need to um, think about the trace minerals that might be in your environment. Some things that people might do to to look at having um, a range of minerals might be to include um, some natural rock dust, which you can buy as a fertilizer, or even things like uh, very dilute seawater or adding seaweed into your compost can provide you with a wider range of minerals that might be present naturally in your own environment.
0: David, I know you're big on composting and worms, and I love my worm farm. I have mentioned it on here before, so my main fertilizer actually comes from that. But how important is composting, and what about maybe a couple of tips for people who are just starting to get their head around how to do it well?
1: Well, I think the uh, great thing about composting is it allows you to uh, use all your food waste and kitchen scraps uh, and uh, return them to the soil, and so. Uh, if you, especially if you chop it up reasonably fine, you can get some compost reasonably quickly. Uh, I think a lot of people feel they have to have a complicated uh, worm farm or uh, a bokashi system or something like that to get rid of their food scraps. But in fact, if you just get a, a great big um, bin, about 180 to 220 litres, and keep adding half and half Carbon and nitrogen things. That is uh, your carbon things, uh, your uh, twigs and uh, dead leaves and uh, 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 woody things, and then your green waste, which is your your kitchen waste and your uh, waste from your garden. Uh, you'll very soon find that the worms uh, do a very good job of keeping this all rotated and uh, mixed together and will provide you with wonderful compost that you can use to grow even better vegetables.
0: And coffee grounds? I I use coffee grounds with mine. They seem to like it.
1: Yes, yes, I think they do. I think everything in moderation is the idea uh, and you wouldn't fill the whole thing up with coffee grounds, but uh, if you use it a bit and then use a bit of the... uh, uh, of the vegetable waste and it's wonderful isn't it just to watch uh, the number of worms grow and, and the amount of compost and, uh, that you can get and of course the worm waste because some people uh, collect that at the bottom I suppose you do that do you Lynn? Do you uh, collect the worm waste and then dilute it and spray it on? That's it, yeah
0: exactly yes.
1: Yes, great. Great That's stuff. Wonderful. Yes, worm well wee, done.
0: worm tea, worm pea, whatever you call it. It's, <laughs> it's absolute magic. And, David, what are some good crops would you recommend to people starting out? Maybe this is their first season, they're looking at the price of vegetables and they're just going to give it a crack. What are some good, um, hardy kind of um, vegetables to start with? Because some are, are trickier than others to grow and you, you want to get off to, a, to, to an encouraging start because you can get terribly disheartened.
1: That's right. So you you need to grow something that uh, uh, matures fairly quickly it's, and something that you like. And so uh, leaf lettuce is particularly uh, easy to grow if you uh, get uh, lettuces that aren't going to head, uh, the cos lettuces and so on, and then just take the outside leaves off them as they grow and they'll last a very long time. And of course, silver beet, and then mini cabbages rather than the great big heading cabbages. The mini cabbages will grow uh, more quickly. And uh, if you like it, sprouting broccoli, uh, which you start to take just the sprouts off. Um, rather than growing a big heading broccoli and then waiting for the uh, side sprouts to appear. Uh, They're they're all good things that will give you some uh, return fairly quickly and relatively easy to grow as long as you've got a sunny spot. Uh, That's particularly important for us here in the south to have a good sunny spot to grow their vegetables in.
0: Ruth, with uh, David mentioning sprouting broccoli, that seems to be the only broccoli I'm able to grow. You know, all you, cauliflowers—they're mm-hmm. looking lovely. You turn your back just to pick something up, you come back and it's bolted. What can you do, Ruth? Sure. Straw is it? <laughs>
2: um, start, just start again. I think nothing is perfect in the garden. Sometimes you can find that you just have too much of one thing to be able to eat it all in one go. But you know, it's not wasted. Throw it, chop it up, throw it into your compost bin, it just adds back into that cycle of life, become part of your um, compost for growing growing your next beds. And maybe don't grow so much of any one thing at a time. You know, I was listening to David talking about the easy things for beginners, and I'd have to agree that like leafy greens are a simple way to start if you're trialing out, growing a few things, and you don't want to try anything that's um, too complex and I'd kind of like to add in, try some you know, intense flavours, some basil or coriander, things that you can use in a lot of different meals and you only need a little bit of it so you're not so reliant on a main crop like you would be with sprouting broccoli.
0: David, I knew this would happen. Lots of composting questions coming in. One saying, how do you compost meat? Another listener about composting fish. The way I have approached compost is to do neither of those, but is there a way that you can compost either meat or fish?
1: Um, we, we don't wouldn't normally put those in a compost bin because they might attract uh, vermin, uh, but uh, I think there's a Bokashi method, though I haven't used it myself, uh, which you can uh, use for uh, those protein-rich uh, wastes um, but it is most important that you don't start to attract rats into a compost bin. That's one of the advantages of the of the big delic type plastic bins with the open top, is that they're not open at the bottom, and, and some of them don't even have ear holes at the bottom, so they sit right on the ground and no uh, rats or mice can get into them.
0: Yeah, mine's one of the raised ones because also it's on a deck um, but you no know, rats is such a, a, a huge and worrying issue. Uh, and another one, for, a question for you David uh, from a listener saying they've got an old compost bin that was in the garden when they bought their house and they've added plums, old plums and grapefruit and apples and kitchen waste but they're not confident about using it in the garden. If they haven't been including those other materials that you were talking about and even things like cardboard would, could that be too intense to put straight into a garden?
1: Um, If you chop it up a bit, um, I think that would be fine. That would be uh, carbon uh, material, the old... uh, cardboard and so on uh, so just uh, cut it all up make sure that it's relatively wet uh, good good compost uh, you should be able to take it in your hand and squeeze it and only get a couple or just a few drops of water out of it so you've got to get the mixture right with your uh, perhaps about 50% carbon and nitrogen and then your oxygen and the water uh, and have those mixtures right but uh, when they do the uh, Worm composting in Central Otago—they use a lot of fruit, and uh, I've found that I've bought worm castings from there and put them on the garden. Then wondered why I've got a lot of cherry uh, pits in the in the, uh, in the in the ground, and it's just simply because that's part of the waste when they are composting the fruit.
0: I, I get, funny enough, I get lots of, I don't think it'll happen this season though, um, tomatoes uh, from my compost. You know, when tomatoes have gone off, I used to, because I grow them, put them back in the compost. And lo and behold, I get little tomato plants. I'll be hoping for them this season, but I haven't been throwing much away. Ruth, what about growing from seed? That's got to be the most economical approach. I mean, should you treat every seed as sacred? My, my niece TK, who's my mentor <laughs> in the garden, does this. And she every carrot seed she will plant in an individual pot.
2: <laughs> well, Lynn, I guess you could look at seeds in that way. I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? That tiny little thing that has everything in it that's needed to grow into a plant and that that plant can be productive and create the fruit or vegetables that's going to sustain you and provide a nutritious diet for you. So, um, you know, they are to be respected. But no, plants produce a million... A, maybe not a million, but hundreds of seeds in nature. And not every one of those little seeds is going to have the chance to even germinate, let alone grow and become um, a full grown plant. And I think if you are growing your own seed at home, plant more than you think you might need, because some are not going to come on strongly and just choose the best ones, the strongest looking plants that have come through the best to grow on and be the ones that you're actually going to give room to in your vegetable garden, or If you've got a wilder garden or a bigger spot like I might have, you could take some of those spare seeds, tomatoes, or things like hardy vegetables like kale, and you could scatter them into the wilder outside edges of your garden and see what comes up. Maybe you'll have some garden growth for itself that you don't even have to work for.
0: Oh, I'm loving that idea about the wilding. My my garden is a bit like that. David, you are a big fan of four-crop rotation garden. How does that work?
1: The idea of rotating your crops is just so that uh, you don't grow the same uh, vegetable in the same place for more than two years in a row and preferably only one and that way the nutrients that are in the ground don't get depleted and if you move the vegetables around in your garden a bit uh, that saves uh, uh, running into problems with the diseases too and the major problem that people have in vegetable gardens when they're growing brassicas is uh, root is club root disease and that will stop your cabbages and broccoli and so on from growing well and if you get it you really uh, have to uh, either replace the soil or perhaps uh, not quite as uh, good an answer is to uh, try to grow club root uh, resistant varieties. But it's much less likely if you're growing the cabbages and broccoli in ground uh, one year after it's been limed. So you can uh, um, work that in with it and uh, uh, you're going to get much better crops if you are putting your uh, vegetables into uh, different uh, soil each time. And so quite a lot of people uh, will plant uh, uh, the uh, legumes that put nitrogen back into the soil, like peas and beans, and follow that with their uh, brassicas, which need more nitrogen, and then follow that with their carrots and parsnips. And if you've got Uh, Potatoes, you could then follow your carrots and parsnips with potatoes if you want to. Uh, Potatoes, although they're not grown very much, are a wonderful crop to grow in if you've got a large enough vegetable garden because they really take a lot less uh, time and trouble than actually growing a lawn. Uh, People who have lawns cut them and and fertilise them and trim them and everything like this. Uh, Whereas, if once you've got your potatoes up and growing and big and bushy enough, they really don't need an awful lot more um, attention apart from just keeping the soil up around them a bit uh, and uh, you get a really a really good crop and it's quite fun to have grown your own potatoes and not have to worry about all the chemicals that the commercial growers may have put on uh, potatoes.
0: Ruth just got a couple of minutes. So last question to you, a listener question. I have pumpkin seeds from a fresh pumpkin at home. How do I grow pumpkin plants from these seeds? I'm interested in this too, actually.
2: Oh, what a great question. Uh, pumpkins are so much fun to grow. They are a vigorous plant. I would um personally I would start those seeds off in a in a pot, um, a sort of a smallish kind of pot, plant them centimeter down, give them water, and then I would leave them in a warm place. I wouldn't give them any more water until I see that um, seed has germinated, the sprouts are coming through. Then let that plant grow on when it's got its um first true leaves, find a nice sunny spot in the garden and give plenty of compost or animal manure or anything you've got that's rich because they are gross feeding plants. They're going to grow big, they're going to grow vigorous. And hopefully they're going to grow you lots of um, gorgeous pumpkins. Only one thing I would say, sometimes if you're saving your own seed, bees might have cross-pollinated your pumpkin with another related plant and you might not grow exactly the same pumpkin that you started with.
0: I guess mine tend to be on the small side, but I'm going to try harder with all your advice. Thank you so much. Talking to Ruth Bain and David Neal from the Dunedin Vegetable Growers Club.